Yes, it is now. Fantastic. Well, um, yeah, I just want to say thank you so much for the welcome we've received from all of you. It's great to be here. And, um, you know, it's funny because I've known Andy for a while now and kind of feel like we, we know the church and we have a real heart for the church here, even though we've not visited before. So it's just really, really good uh, to be with you all today. And Andy and Claire, you know, great friends, really appreciate you inviting us to come uh, and be with you today. Um, yeah, the good thing, the, one of the good things when you, when you come to speak somewhere that isn't your church is you can say lots of controversial things and you don't have to clear up all the mess. So I'm joking, I'm joking. Just want to make Andy feel a little bit nervous before we start. No, hopefully, hopefully nothing I say is going to be too controversial. That would be bad if it was. I think it's all, going to be, it's all going to be good stuff, and I think God wants to speak to us today. And Andy's actually asked me to speak on one of the most famous passages uh, in the Bible. You know, if you're here today and, and you don't know anything about the Bible at all, that's fantastic. This will all be fresh and new to you. But I reckon if you know anything about the Bible at all, you will have heard the words we're going to be looking at today, uh, which are from Psalm 23. So let's take a look. Uh, the words are going to come up here on the screen or follow along in your Bibles. I'll read it for us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Yeah, as Andy was saying, um, my name is James Shepherd. So it's kind of appropriate to be speaking on this uh, psalm today. And when I was at primary school, um, we used to sing a song, uh, The Lord is My Shepherd, but some of my friends used to change the words to The Lord is James Shepherd. I, I can assure you it had nothing to do with them believing I was in any way divine or Lord-like at all. It was just to, uh, to take the mix. So, you know, preaching through this psalm is actually, you know, a really therapeutic process for me as I get over the past and these things that they used to say. So even if nobody else gets anything out of this, it's going to be a healing journey for me, okay? But um, we tend to think of this psalm as being an incredibly encouraging psalm, and it is, and there are lots of really, really uh, kind of nice words, nice ideas, nice phrases in it. Um, green pastures, still waters, a cup overflowing with, with blessing. But I sometimes wonder if we're missing the main point, which is we're being called sheep. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. That's kind of our role in this psalm, is, is we are like sheep. And God is our shepherd. That's, that's its assessment of us. And actually, not just here, but the whole Bible is full of lots of instances where we, as, uh, as, as people, as people seeking after God, are referred to as, as sheep. And the truth is, we can be a bit like sheep sometimes. We need protecting, we need guidance, we need leadership, 
We wander off in the wrong direction sometimes. I mean, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but I'm, I'm sure I'm not. We get frightened. We make silly decisions sometimes. We're a bit like sheep. And you know, if you, if you take offense at the idea of being a sheep, it doesn't mean you're not a sheep. It just means you're like one of those really stubborn sheep. You know the ones when you're driving along the road and it just keeps walking along in front of you really slowly instead of getting out to the side of the road? So if you have a problem with being a sheep, it's, it's even worse. You're a stubborn sheep, you see. But we're all sheep. But the good news is God is our shepherd. God can do all the things a shepherd does for their sheep. He can protect us. He can guide us. He can lead us. He can help us when we wander off in the wrong direction to get back on track. And I just want to look at two very simple things this afternoon that this psalm tells us that God, our good shepherd, does for us and can do for you. Two simple things. And those two things are this, that God leads us into blessing and that God is with us in the battle. So first of all, God leads us into blessing. Just those first few verses again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And this is him leading us into blessing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So a number of ways are highlighted that God can lead us into blessing. And the first one, he makes me lie down in green pastures. It's kind of a bit of a forceful blessing, isn't it? It doesn't say God suggests we might lie down in a green pasture. It doesn't say God takes us to a green pasture and kind of gives us an option as to whether we lie down in a green pasture. It says God makes us lie down in a green pasture. And that's because, you know, like sheep, we can be a bit stubborn sometimes. And sometimes God needs to just come alongside us and make us stop, make us lie down, make us take a moment to rest in him, to enjoy him, to have a kind of green pasture moment in the midst of what might be a very busy life, a very stressful season. You know, in a green pasture moment, I think it can be, it can be just a moment. It can be, you know, during a time of, of worship, just like we had this, this morning, a moment where we just are refreshed by God. Or a green pasture moment can be a whole season of our lives. Some of you will know what that's like when God really needs to draw us back from things, to take us away from things, from stress, from busyness, and just give us a, a, a kind of green pasture season. And sometimes he needs to be a bit forceful in making us do that because we don't always recognize when we need to do that. And sometimes in our lives... The issue isn't that there aren't any green pastures. The issue isn't that there isn't blessing in our lives. The issue isn't that there isn't good things in our lives. The issue is that we won't stop and notice and enjoy the good things God's given us. You know, chances are, all of us in this room are surrounded by blessing you know, there might be difficult seasons, there might be difficult things as well, we're going to come on to that. But chances are, every one of us, God is blessing in our lives in some way. Sometimes the issue isn't, there's no blessing. The issue is, will we stop? Sometimes God needs to make us stop and enjoy, 
enjoy a green pasture moment. And, and a few groups of people in particular who I think God wants to speak to, who this psalm speaks to, um, who need to kind of have a green pasture moment. I think God wants to make you have a green pasture moment if you're a natural critic. Maybe you recognize yourself as a natural critic. You're the kind of person that you always see the problem. You always see how things could be improved. You always see what could be better, whether it's in your family life, whether it's in your work life, whether it's in church. You know, there's nothing wrong with being a natural critic. In fact, without people who are natural critics, things don't tend to get better. It's a good thing. But it can be quite exhausting and quite tiring sometimes as well. And God sometimes wants to and needs to make those people stop and just enjoy the blessing that's around them. Just have a green pasture moment with God. So it's for you if you're a natural critic. I also think it's for you if you're a bit of a control freak. You know, you know how you can tell who the control freaks are. They're the people who are... When I say control freak, they're thinking of all the people it applies to in the room. They're the real ones. Now, I, I, I can be a bit of a control freak. I'm sure many of us can. We, we kind of, perhaps, we, we often think we know best in most situations. Uh, perhaps, you know, it's, it's you love to do stuff. You love to be active. You love to be involved, but you find it hard to just stop and just kind of simply be a child of God. God wants to make you have a green, a green pasture moment to stop and enjoy God's blessing. You know, because let's just say for a moment you're one of those people who, who thinks you always know best. Maybe you do always know best. I bet you don't. But let's just say for the sake of argument, you do always know best. God still wants to make you lie down in a green pasture. And I actually came up with a little rhyme for you. Just because you know best doesn't mean you don't need to rest. Or my preferred version, just because you know best doesn't mean you don't need to give it a rest. God still wants to make those people take a moment, have a green pasture moment, just step back. And the final group, perhaps a little bit more seriously, is those who perhaps have, have, have kind of lost the joy of their salvation. You know, you're still going on with God, you're still seeking Him, perhaps you're still serving faithfully, but something of, of that spark and that joy of knowing that you're loved by God, that you're accepted by God, that He delights in you, that He rejoices in you, something of that has faded. Well, perhaps if that's you, God also just wants to make you have a green pasture moment, to remind you of His goodness, to give you a, a, a moment, a season, whatever it takes of a rest, to perhaps for yourself to take the initiative to do something which you know will refresh you in God, will recharge you, will be like a green pasture moment for you. So that's one way God leads us into blessing. He makes us lie down in green pastures. The second way, it says, He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. I like, you know, some translations have refreshes. I like restores there. I don't know if you've ever seen those those kind of master restore, restoration people who can take kind of a, a faded work of art or a faded fresco or something like that where all the color's gone, it's really old, it's really faded, and they can just bring it back to life. They can bring the color back. They can bring the vibrancy back. 
Well, God is, is a master restorer when it comes to our souls. You know, perhaps when we feel a little bit of life has gone, a little bit of joy has gone, a little bit of the color has gone, we're a bit burnt out, perhaps we've been hurt by somebody or by something, God is a master at restoring us. Perhaps that's a work God wants to do in you today or in the coming weeks. He wants to restore your soul. And the third way God leads us into blessing, he leads me in paths of righteousness. You know, so for some, God wants to make you lie down in a green pasture. For some, God wants to restore your soul. For others, God just wants to lead you into blessing by getting you back on the right path. You know, paths of righteousness just means the right paths. And there might be an area in your life where you know you're on the wrong path. Some aspect of your life, some way you're living, some way you're thinking, some way you're behaving, you know is, is the wrong path. It's not the path of blessing. God would have you on and God would have you live, live on. Like a sheep, you've just kind of wandered a little bit off course. Well, the good shepherd is coming alongside you today to kind of nudge you back on course. So this is perhaps a little bit less, uh, less exciting in some ways than the other two. It's not God wanting to give us a green pasture moment. It's not, it's not God wanting to restore you. It's just kind of a bit of old-fashioned repentance. You need to recognize an area in your life. You're on the wrong path, and God is saying, come on. My goodness and my grace and my mercy is there. Let's get back on the right path today. Okay, so God leads us into blessing. Now, I just want to quickly kind of deviate before we talk about God being with us in the battle. A couple of little asides. You know, this is what preachers do. They say there's only two points and then they slip in a couple more halfway through. I'm sure, I'm sure Andy does that sometimes as well. Um, just a couple of little asides, things that I think are important in this psalm that we might not always pick up on. And the first one is this. If you take a look at verse 1 again with me, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, some translations say, um, I lack nothing. But I actually think I shall not want, although a little bit more old-fashioned, is perhaps a little bit more helpful. Because what this passage is not saying, and what you cannot get if you read through your Bible is the idea that when you become a follower of Jesus, everything is going to be great from there on in. That's not what this is saying. That, you know, if, if you make that decision in your life that you want the Lord to be your shepherd, you want to live for him, that somehow then you will never, ever lack anything. That's not what it's saying. And there is a kind of a version of the Christian faith, I would call it a false version of the Christian faith, that kind of says that if you're following Jesus, and if you're doing it well, then everything will always go fantastically brilliant for you. You will always be rich, you will always be healthy, you will always be successful, you will always be happy. I think that version of Christianity is, is very, very dangerous and very unhelpful. And actually, I've had friends who who have gone through difficult seasons in their lives, we all do, but their view of God and their view of following Jesus did not have room for anything ever going wrong. And it caused them to fall away from God in a tragic way. You know, Jesus said, John 16, verse 33, in this life you will have trouble. He promised us trouble. 
the normal Christian experience is not one of constant bliss, constant perfection, everything really going well. We're about to see in this psalm the normal Christian experience involves seasons where we go through the valley of the shadow of death. That's normal. Yes, God leads us into blessing. Yes, we need to be people who are in faith and pray and believe that God is going to lead us into blessing. But trials and hardship and suffering are part of the normal Christian experience and the normal Christian life. They're not fun. No one wants to suffer. No one wants them to happen. But they're part of it. So that would be my first little aside. Don't buy into a faith that says, hey, it's all going to go great. Or if things are going wrong, if things are challenging in your life right now, don't think, therefore, I'm clearly doing something wrong. Or I'm clearly outside of kind of God's sovereignty or God's plan. No. That's not what this is teaching us. The second little aside is in verse 3, where it says, He guides me in paths of righteousness. And then these four words, a bit of a curveball at the end, for his name's sake. Why is God doing all this? Why all this leading us into blessing? Why all these green pastures? Why all these quiet waters? Why restoring our soul? Is it just to be really nice to us? Actually, no, it's for his name's sake. I believe God does want to bless us. God does want to be nice to us. I mean, that sounds like such a naff word for it, but he does want to bless us and do good to us. But actually, ultimately... It's for his name's sake. It's for God's glory. That's why he blesses us. And I believe in a mysterious way, which perhaps we'll never quite understand, that's even why we go through dark seasons as well. It brings glory to God. So whatever blessing we do have in our lives, whatever ways we are being restored, we are being refreshed, he is getting us back on the right paths. He is giving us green pasture moments. We need to make sure we we keep the main thing, God's glory, the main thing in our lives, and we turn it all back into lives of praise and lives lived for God's glory. Okay, so God leads us into blessing. The second kind of main thing I want to share is that God is, is with us in the battle. Verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Even in what this psalm calls the the valley of the shadow of death moments in our lives, God is with us. Even in the very darkest moments, the very hardest seasons, God is with us. And the valley of the shadow of death doesn't just mean seasons where we're coping with death and with loss, although I think it includes them, and they are some of the hardest times. I think it's any dark valley season of our lives. could be any number of things that just make us feel like this is hard, that make us feel in darkness. And I love the way the language sort of changes in verse 4. I don't know if you ever noticed that, but in verses 1 to 3, it's all about God actively leading us 
It says, He makes me lie down. He leads me. He refreshes me. He restores me. He guides me. But in verse 4, it's no longer got that sense of God actively leading us in that way. It's not even though you lead me into the valley of the shadow of death. It's even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I believe that's because God is not the originator of pain and suffering in our lives. He's not the, the cause of evil in our lives in the same way that he is the cause of blessing in our lives. You know, we live in a broken and fallen world. We have a spiritual enemy. And because of that, there are dark valley seasons that we go through. Does God cause the dark valley? I don't believe he does. But is he with us in the darkest valley? And is he still in control in the darkest valley? And is he still able to bring goodness out of perhaps what was intended for evil in our lives. Yes, absolutely he is. God is always in control. God is always sovereign in the times of blessing and in the dark valleys. He isn't the cause of every dark season, but he's still in control in every dark season and dark valley. You might be going through a very dark time right now. A very difficult season. God is still with you. You are not somehow outside of God's control, God's sovereignty. God is still with you. And the psalm reveals to us that what we need more than anything else when we're in a dark valley when we're in the valley of the shadow of death, what we need is to know that God is with us. He says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That can make all the difference, just knowing that God is with you. You know, notice that it doesn't promise that God will whisk us out of every dark valley season, that God will take us out of the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes you just have to go through that. You have to go through that season. But it does promise that we can always know that God is with us. And you know, perhaps today, what God wants to do for some of us is just reveal his presence to us in a fresh way. Reveal to us that he is with us. Because I think that will make all the difference. I don't think, you know, we, we need to pray as well for people who are suffering, for people who are in hard seasons. We need to pray that God would, would be breakthrough and they would come out of those seasons. There's nothing wrong with those kinds of prayers. But I think we don't always know what's going to happen. We don't always know if the dark season is going to come to a nice, neat, pleasant end. But we can always pray. We can always promise that we can know God's presence with us. And that when we know that, we need fear no evil. So we've seen God leads us into blessing. We've seen that God is with us in the battle. The reality is, most of our lives are a bit of a mixture of both, aren't they? It's not like it's ever 100% blessing and 100% great. And it's very rare, I mean, for some, sometimes it might be, but it's very rare that it's 100% absolutely terrible and a dark valley. And most of the time, there's a bit of both. 
Sometimes there's a bit more blessing than battle going on. Other times there's a bit more battle than blessing going on. And I I think verse 5, the next verse in this psalm, kind of captures that for us. It says, You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. This picture of God kind of preparing a feast, preparing a meal, setting this table for us in the midst of our enemies. I always think it sounds really awkward having this meal with kind of all your enemies around you. It would be quite an awkward meal. Sometimes my wife Sarah is a a high school teacher, a a secondary school teacher in Cramlington, and we'll go to a cafe or a restaurant, and one of her pupils will be a a, a waitress there or will be serving there. It's always really awkward. Well, this sounds a lot more awkward than that. God preparing a table of blessing in the midst of our enemies. But it does capture something of what the Christian life is like. There's blessing... You know, anointing with oil, an overflowing cup, all kind of biblical signs of being blessed by God. But there's also battle. The enemies are still there, but God is preparing a table of blessing right in the midst of the enemies and the opposition and the hardship. God is capable of blessing us right in the middle of our enemies, right in the middle of dark valley seasons, right in the middle of opposition and hardship in our lives. And you know, this is true for you as a church. This is true for you as as Regent's Chapel. The norm is going to be, the norm is going to be that you are going to have battle and blessing together. We shouldn't be looking for a season where everything is absolutely brilliant, where every aspect of the life of the church and the outreach and every relationship and every single thing is going absolutely great. I mean, we, we need to pray for that. But I don't think it's a normal experience of church life, certainly not mine. The norm is going to be battle and blessing together. You know, as you step out in really exciting things, you know, it, we've, we've also recently started a, a Christians Against Poverty debt centre in our church. And it's going really well. I think we're a, a sort of a few months further down the line than yourselves. But we found, man, you're stepping into battle and blessing. You're, you're going out and you're engaging with people with brokenness in their lives. There's blessing there. You see people make moves towards God. But there's battle. And all the things that you're doing as a church, there will be battle and blessing. You know, Satan is not a big fan of Regent's Chapel. <laughs> He doesn't like good churches trying to do good things. And he's going to try and oppose it in any way that he can. And sometimes that's in very obvious ways, but sometimes he's quite subtle and he's quite clever. And if he can stir things up, if he can make things challenging, he will. But the important thing is we don't need to fear because God is with us. We can be confident that God is perfectly capable of preparing a table of blessing for his people, for the community, right in the midst of battle. I just think that's a, that's a great picture of what, what a church can be. A table of blessing. A place of God's blessing right in the midst of, of a dark world. Of a world of opposition and enemies. So it's true for Hope Church Bedlington. It's true for Regent's Chapel. It's also true for our lives as individuals. If right now in your life there's stuff where you see God's hand of blessing, 
You see God doing great things. You see God moving in power. But you also see other areas of your life where there's real battle, where there's real opposition, where there's real hardship, where you feel in a, in a dark valley season. If, if kind of the two are there at once, welcome to the normal Christian life. This is how it is. And it amazes me, just in my own, my own weakness, how often it surprises me that it's like that. But it is like that. He didn't promise that it would always be easy. He didn't promise that there would never be any battle. He did promise that he would always be with us. And he is capable of preparing a table of blessing right in the middle of our enemies. Let's just finish this psalm. Look at that final verse, verse 6. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, throughout the battle, throughout the blessing, one thing we need to make sure we do is we keep our eyes fixed on eternity. David could, could, could say all this in the knowledge that he would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, in this life, there will be hardship, there will be trouble, there will be battle. In eternity, none of these things exist. In eternity, every enemy will be crushed under the feet of Jesus, will dwell in a, in, in a new heaven, a new earth, without death or sickness or mourning or crying, all these things will pass away in eternity. So in this life where it's a bit of both, a bit of battle and blessing, we need to keep our eyes fixed on eternity. You know, some people talk about the fact that you can be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly use. You might have heard that phrase. You've kind of got your head in the clouds, you're thinking about heaven, you're thinking about eternity, and you're kind of so super spiritual and out there that you're not any practical use in the here and now. Well, I think people who are truly heavenly-minded are the most earthly use because they're the ones who can cope with the battle and the blessing, the hardship, the opposition as they go through this life because they've got their eyes fixed on a glorious eternity. They know that this is just, we're just kind of passing through in this earth on our way to eternity with Jesus. And you know, one question that might be relevant to some here today is do you know that you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever? Do you know that, you know, heaven forbid, excuse the, 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 the pun there, heaven, but you, you, were to, you were to die tonight, you would be able to say like David, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because there's only one way to know that. There are lots of ways we might hope it might be the case that we would dwell in eternity with God. There's lots of ways we might hope for it. You know, I try and be a good person. I, I try and go to church when I can. I, I call myself a Christian. I've been baptized. I've been christened. Whatever it might be, there are lots of ways we can hope we might just dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But there's only one way to be certain. You know, I don't fancy standing before God one day and trying to persuade him that the basis on which I should get into heaven is the way I've lived my life. Because compared to an infinite, holy, perfect God, I don't think it's going to measure up. The good news is we don't have to do that. There is a way to be certain. And that's through believing in Jesus. Believing that through his life and death, we can be forgiven. 
and we can have a perfect standing before God and we can be welcomed in to eternity, dwell with him forever, not on the basis of whether we've lived a good life or whether we've gone through certain rituals or what we might call ourselves, but on the basis of what he's done. Another incredibly famous verse from the Bible, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Hey, so for somebody here today, it might be that you've never, you've never taken that step to put your trust in Jesus and to know, not hope, but know, like David knew when he wrote this psalm, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'd just like to lead us into a time of responding now to this, to this word. I'm going to pray in just a moment. Um, but perhaps if we could all close our eyes just to be still before God. Yeah, just as we have our eyes closed, I just feel God, God wants to leave, uh, leave us today with a fresh understanding of him as our good shepherd. And uh, in a moment, I'm going to pray for some different groups of people. But I'm just going to mention those different groups who, who this psalm might apply to in different ways. And just leave a bit of space in between for us each to just reflect quietly um, and kind of do business with God. So just as we have our eyes closed, you know, perhaps for you, you know that God wants to make you lie down in a green pasture. You're stressed, you're busy, things are a bit crazy at the minute. Perhaps you know you've just got a bit negative in your own thinking, in your own spirit. Perhaps even as I've spoken today, you realize there is green pasture of God's blessing all around you, but it's kind of you who's not been noticing it. God just wants to make you stop. Stop now and just be refreshed and have a green pasture moment with God. Maybe green pasture season, maybe there are things you need to do practically. If that's you, just acknowledge that quietly before God. Perhaps for you it's that you need a bit of restoration work. You feel a bit like that faded work of art, a bit worn out. Perhaps God just wants to bring a bit of restoration, bring a bit of fresh colour, fresh life to you today. Again, if that's you, just in your own heart, just acknowledge that before God and ask him to do that for you. Perhaps very simply for you, that you know in some area of your life you've been going down the wrong path. There's kind of nothing complicated about it. There's an area of your life, whether it's action or word or thought, that's not the right path, that's not paths of righteousness. You know, God's mercies are new each day, and he's just nudging you like a shepherd with the, with the crook, get back on the right path. Just acknowledge that before God, confess, and say, God, help me to get back on the right path. Perhaps it's that you're in a dark valley, a real season of hardship and battle and challenge and opposition. Could be in a family situation, could be in a work situation, a health situation. 
some kind of loss in your life. It might just be a general spirit of fear. It talks about knowing God is with us, meaning we don't have to fear. I think God just wants to come and and kind of make his presence by his Holy Spirit fresh to you today. Just invite him to do that quietly if that's you. And just just a final group is, is, you know, you've never made that decision to put your trust in Jesus. That's why you're here today, if that's you. That is the reason you, you've come to church today. God's drawing you to do that. I'm going to pray for you in a minute. Let, I'll just pray for us all now. Lord God, I pray for those who need a green pasture moment with you. I pray that you would come and you would impart peace to them and rest to them. I pray that you would speak to them about the practical things they need to do to find rest in you, to be refreshed in you, to have time with you, Lord. God, I pray for those who need to be restored. God, I thank you that you are the master restorer. When we're jaded, when we're tired, when we're worn out, you come and restore us. I pray you would do that for them, Lord. God, I pray for those who who have admitted before you that they're on the wrong path in some way in their life. God, come and empower them to live in a new way and come and speak to them that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that your forgiveness for them is complete and absolute. God, I pray for those in dark valleys. I just ask that you would be with them in a special way. You're always with us, God, but I pray that they would know that in a new and fresh way. God, you don't always promise to get us out of the dark valley. You promise to always be with us. And I pray that they would know that. And finally, Lord, for anyone who is responding to you for the first time today, God, I pray that they would know your amazing love for them, that they would confess their brokenness and their need for you right now, and that they would know that if they've done that, if they've accepted what you've done for them on the cross, that they can be sure they will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, not on the basis of the way they've lived their life, but on the basis of your goodness. Amen. Amen just going to hand over to the to the band now just finally you know if you did make that decision for the first time that last kind of prayer point there can i really encourage you to speak to andy at the end of the meeting it's a great decision that you've made but it's one that needs to be kind of followed through on so if that's you if you know you're responding to that do something brave come and chat to andy at the end of the meeting i'll hand over to